0: Hello Vineyard Churches, my name is Tom from Croydon Vineyard and I send you much affection from the London Borough of Croydon. Birthplace of Stormzy, Kate Moss, Jackie Pullinger, Ellie Mumford and Cousin Matthew from Downton Abbey. I just would love to share with you today little bit about the life of David from the book of 2 Samuel chapter 6. Shall we have a look? Let's read this together, if you will. Beginning at verse 1, David again brought together all the able young men of Israel, 30,000. He and all his men went to Bala and Judah to bring up from there the Ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim on the Ark. They set the Ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the Ark of God on it. And Ohio was walking in front of it. David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord. First thing is this I just, isn't it amazing that we see in this passage, as we do all through the Bible, that God loves to be close, He wants to be close to His people. God, it says, the name is enthroned upon the ark, upon the cherubim, between the cherubim, in this ark. The ark is a box. It's a box, for goodness sake. Can you imagine when God, this great God who spoke and billions of stars came into being, this God who sits enthroned in the heavens, who Angels are just constantly worshipping him. Can you imagine when he was planning, having a planning meeting with some of these angels about how he wanted to be close to the people on earth? What he was going to do, and they must have come up with all these, you know, oh, we could do it like this, and we could do it like that, your footstool are like the mountains, we could do this enormous thing, God, we could, we could make, we could make just, you know, everything so vast and extraordinary. And God's like, I think I'm going to take a box. You know, I I think I'll get a tent, and I'll put a box in a tent, because then I can be really in amongst the people. And that's what the Ark of the Covenant was. It's a testimony to our God that God wants to be close. God wants to be close to you, to people. He wants to be in the midst of... Humanity. We live in a day when Epicureanism, a Greek philosopher called Epicurus, uh, it, it came up with the idea that really, and expressed an idea which is common, that the gods were on a different world, removed from this earth, that they weren't particularly interested in the affairs of men and women. But the Bible tells us of a story who wants to be close. He goes, he does ridiculous things, like. Find a box and live in a box, being thrown upon a box in a tent, and be dragged in a cart into the centre of a town. David sees this. David sees this. I mean, he's a rock star, David. He's written. I mean, he's got a song that's doing really well in the charts, Psalm twenty-three. I mean, everyone, everywhere he goes, people are Psalm twenty-three. You know, the Lord's my shepherd. They love it. David's like a hero, he's slayed Goliath, he's, you know, The songs are written about him by others. But David realises that at the core of life, it's not riches, it's not position, it's not being able to command 30,000 people to go here or there. He could do all those things. David realises the single most wonderful truth at the centre of all of life is that God wants to be close. So he goes, and starts to bring God close. Let's see what happens, verse 6, when they came to the threshing floor of Nakon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the Ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore God struck him down and he died there beside the Ark of God. And David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah, the oxen stumble. The oxen stumble, isn't that just life? Isn't that just life? David tries to bring God close, the oxen stumble and something goes wrong. Now God acts against Uzzah because of his, described as an irreverent act. What's the irreverent act? The irreverent act is that Uzzah is not treating God as boss. He's reaching out his hands to touch this box as if he needs to look after God, as if he's in control of God, as if he needs to steer God and help God out. And really what Uzzah is doing is acting out with his body what David is doing with his heart. In the heart of David, we see in this time that David wants—he thinks he can own the Ark. He thinks he can own God. He can bring God and make God do what he wants to serve his purposes and work for his good. And God says, "No." Asa dies. I don't know about you, but when I first read this, I was like, "Asa dies! Asa dies!" I thought God wanted to be close. Why does Asa die? And. It's just, this is the reality. And many of us, maybe I know I have, we respond like David responds. We get angry, like, what's God doing killing someone? Like, It's an uncomfortable thing. God wants to be close, but he also says he has to be boss. He has to be boss. It's the testimony of the book. Verse 10, let's read on see what happens. David, because of this, because he's unhappy that God says he has to be boss and has died, he's not willing to bring God close anymore. He's not willing to bring God close. He says he's not willing to take the ark to be with him in the city. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. When God is close, and God is the boss, amazing things happen. The household, the whole household of Obed-Edom is blessed. Great things come to him. Great things come to him. Why? What does Obed-Edom get right that maybe David got wrong? Well. Obed-Edom was a Gittite. He was one of 600 of David's crack troops who served right in the center. And so he's a man who knew how to serve. He knew what it was to have a master. And Obed-Edom, implied in the text, treats God as boss. He has him close in his house and he treats him as God and just blessing and joy and flourishing come on Obed Edom, because he knows how to serve. Well, what are we talking about here? Let's use an illustration. Do you watch the Olympics? I find I love the Olympics. And do you find you end up watching sports in the Olympics? You just never normally watch, and you just get really into them. Rowing is one of those sports for me. Just any any other time in the year, rowing bores me. Bores me, but in the Olympics, rowing is like, I love it. And there's a double skulls rowing event where you have two people in a boat, two men or two women, and they row, and they're really close to each other and they're rowing. And one of them will be the one who sets the stroke rate. They they set the stroke rate. And they row, and the the other person's job is to keep perfectly in time with the one who's setting the stroke. And really how well they do in rowing is all down to the synchronisation of the second rower with the person who is setting the pace. And that's a great image of what God says when he says he wants to be boss, he wants... People, he wants humanity to just get perfectly in sync with him because he's great. He judges perfectly the speed, the stroke. He's a hulking beast. Like he could row really well, and he's like just row in time with me. If you get out of time, the oars begin to clash, the boat begins to go all over the place. So God says, look. I want to come close. I want to be right in a boat with you. I want to be, you know, sweating and like intimate space, arms around each other when we're wind. Like, I want that. I have to be the boss. Obed-Edom got that. And <laughs> amazing things happened. And what we see in this passage is just the very honest statement of David. He's nothing if not honest. David says this, he says, David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how can the Ark of God ever come to me? He identifies the problem that runs all through this book. God wants to come close. God has to be the boss. People struggle to let him be the boss. Just over and over again, people say, yeah, God, you'll be the boss, or do whatever you want. A few weeks, few months, few years later, something happens. Maybe they don't even try to do anything wrong, but an oxen stumbles, and it all falls apart. Now, you know, when David asks this question, how can the ark of God ever come to me, you know, God makes a provision. I mean, his advisors must have been looking around thinking, well, you know, have you read Leviticus? It's in Leviticus! I mean, who reads Leviticus? David probably obviously hadn't. But it's there the scriptures are god's provision to help us see how he can be boss and the scriptures are just i love these things i love this book don't you it just shows us what it how we can have god as boss but the problem still remains even when we know what to do we struggle to do it solomon david's son he knew it all he had all the wisdom in his head and yet God came so close and then Solomon messed it up, he didn't treat God as boss, he starts doing his own thing, and it all goes downhill from there. And in this passage we see, in between the lines, an incredible pointer, a signpost to another king who would come, a son of David, who would equally lead a procession into Jerusalem. Another king, another man, who would, as this procession is going on, he would stretch out his hands and touch the presence of God. Except when this man stretched out his hands and touched the presence of God, it wasn't an irreverent act like this, but it was the act of greatest ever reverence, like that. Jesus stretched out his hands. And he touched the presence of God, not because he was trying to control God, not because he thought God needed help, but because God asked him to. An act of sacrifice and service. And what Jesus does in the cross is he provides the solution to this problem of humanity. That God wants to be close, people want God to be close, but God has to be boss. And how does that work? And Jesus... To continue the illustration in a way the Bible doesn't, but I hope it's helpful. It's like as he touches the presence, the presence comes into his hands. And then anyone who wants him to can have Jesus lay his hand on their heart. And Jesus would administer the presence of God right into the heart. God becomes so close, not in a tent anymore. It's like he's got a camp bed in your heart. And not only does the presence of God bring God close, but the presence of God also, the Holy Spirit, acts as a helper, as a counsellor, as an empowerer to enable us to live with God as boss. He solves the problem, the Spirit solves the problem for us. Just probably taking this rowing illustration too far, it's like, you know, we've been rowing, and god and we're trying to keep time with him and the scriptures add like, act like the cocks they call out to us hey row, row!" like the scriptures give us the instructions of how to follow god but then it's like the spirit comes and like he's running alongside the boat like hovering over the waters walking on the water he's running alongside the boat and he's like feeding us energy gels and he's helping us with our stroke and he's like Giving us massages like, come on, you yeah, keep in time with the f- father, keep in time with the with the boss, stay in stroke, listen to the cocks, keep going, keep going. And history testifies to just what wonderful things happen when we allow the Spirit to bring God close and to lead us into having God as our boss. A guy I've been researching and finishing with this, I love this man, a man called William Seymour. He was born in one of the southern American states in the 1880s to, to two freed slaves. He was a black man, grew up in absolute poverty. And when he was eight years old, he contracted smallpox, which meant he went blind in his left eye. And William Seymour was raised by his parents to love the Lord and to seek the Holy Spirit. And he just knew in himself, God wants to be close. God wants to be close. And William Seymour lived in in an environment which was unfortunately racist. The church in that time was nearly universally segregated in, in the southern states in America. And so when he was seeking God, he was trying to learn, how can I bring God close? What would it mean to follow the will of God, to have God as my boss? He he went to theological college, and the theological college he went to, he was, as a black man, not allowed in the room. He wasn't allowed in the lecture room with the whites. But you know what he did? He sat outside in the corridor, and they, they agreed that the window could be open, so he could just hear the lectures from in the corridors, because William Seymour was just like, I'll just do whatever, Lord, whatever it takes, I will seek you, I want you to come, I want you to be close, I want you to be my boss. And in 1906, I think it was, William Seymour's prayer meetings were solely focused in a, in a small ramshackled house, were solely focused on, God, you come close and you be the boss and the house that they met in was a house on a road called Azusa Street and on Azusa Street, God started the Pentecostal Revival through this man and the Pentecostal Revival just swept like wildfire and is to date the greatest revival that has ever hit the Christian Church Amazing things happen when we let God be close And we let God be boss. Can I pray for that? If it's alright, I'd love to pray for that.